0: For this series of podcasts, we created a bank of 250 flying-related questions, some serious, some not so much. We then put them into a random question generator and asked pilots to give us their answers. The results are often thought-provoking, hilarious, or even reassuring. This week's guest is...
1: Well, I'm Greg Hamilton. I'm from South Africa. I'm currently in the UK. I've been here for seven or eight years now. Grew up flying in the mountains, the Western Cape Mountains around Cape Town, and should have been studying an accounting degree, but uh, started paragliding, and that was the end of me. Currently, I'm working at Flybubble. Um, I'm in charge of their marketing, and it's really an ideal job, because I just get to be a paragliding enthusiast, really. That's really just my whole job, in a nutshell. I just have to be enthusiastic and, and sort of spread the word about, primarily about, flying, we aim to try and help pilots to fly, and then build a sort of long-term relationship with pilots over time that will support the business. So it's really ideal. I just have to be positive and find interesting things about paragliding to write articles about and make videos.
0: I've got 10 random questions for you. So the first one is, what three things do you always check before you launch? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I always check the wind signs of wind down the slope so I'm always looking at vegetation and any signs that I can so I can time my, my launch I'm always looking for signs of lift out in front, um, other pilots clouds, trying to extend my awareness out as far as possible from the hill and lastly, I would look for air traffic. This is something that's changed from my flying in South Africa, where it would be quite rare to find another glider flying around over you when you're at a cross-country site. Nowadays, in the UK, you've got to check all points of the compass for somebody else flying. So that's, that's definitely changed. I would add most pilots probably think of a five-point check and all of the rest, but I think... By now, in my flying, that's so ingrained in my procedure of getting ready and getting all my kit out and getting set up That's I've already done all of my checks before I'm even, you know, looking out for flying, so I'll leave those as my three checks.
0: Have you ever landed in anger?
1: (laughs) Um, Yes, I have landed in anger. I've had a challenging little route, little puzzle that I've been trying to solve for years, which is at my home site in Portable in South Africa. Everybody goes north or south along a long ridge, and I've just been contrarian. I like finding things that are difficult, so I always try and go east, which is straight over the back and into some sort of deep canyons and into a plateau. And the one time that I managed to get it right... Big cumulonimbus cloud blocked the way, so I had a a potential sort of 200-kilometer XC out in front of me, but I had this big dark brooding cloud, and I had to spiral down and land after about 15 k's on this route. So um, I promptly raised the middle finger at this cloud when I landed, and. What I didn't spot was that the farmer, the landowner, was actually driving towards me at the time in his vehicle because he had seen his paraglider come down and he thought it would be nice to come and you know see what this chap was all about. And he promptly got this middle finger <laughs> waved at him, and I had no idea he was on approach. So um, I uh, there was some backpedalling um, when he when he did actually arrive. <laughs> it was all wrong for them it all went downhill from there. <laughs> 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 no harm done, he saw the humour in it.
0: Have you ever flown somewhere without a possible landing option and not made it out of that zone?
1: No, because I can land on anything, really. I think if you practice your landings and, and you're used to sort of flying cross-country in strange places, some landings that are not as... Not as ideal as others, but I think if you point point the paraglider into wind and slow it down, you can pretty much stop on just about any surface. So, I haven't come across terrain yet that I haven't been able to land on, put it that way.
0: What's the most useless item in your harness?
1: (laughs) Boy, the most useless item in my harness. Wow, I'm, I'm a minimalist. I really trim down everything. I hate carrying extra weight because sometimes I end up doing sort of random bivouacs and long hikes out. So I tend to eat everything that's in my harness, drink it. Can't really think of anything that's in my harness that's useless.
0: Have you ever debugged? No. And if not, would you want to?
1: Oh, sure. If I had the opportunity, I'd have no problem doing a debug. But no, I haven't really had anything to debug out of that was exciting. So I haven't done it.
0: If you landed next to a magic swimming pool that contained whatever you wanted it to, what would it be full of?
1: Water. Having done some works recently, Where I ran out of water, I realised how absolutely important it is above all else and all other luxuries. If there's one thing you need, it's water.
0: You're going out flying. Apart from your glider and all the stuff that's in the bag with it, what item would you not leave the house without?
1: Nowadays I'd have to say my mobile phone that I wouldn't leave home without because it's become so useful for so many different things, particularly flying backcountry, and you can pull out your phone and you've got maps with sort of ViewRanger app or something like that. You can find your way out. You, know, you can call friends. You can keep in touch. You can check the weather. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with my phone.
0: Have you ever been blown back?
1: I've never been blown over a mountain in an un, out of control situation. I've certainly used strong wind to go cross country and opted to go over a mountain rather than try and fight a strong wind into wind into the valley. But it's never been a, a scary out of control situation. It's been a sort of just a good boost to get up high and then go somewhere.
0: Have you ever exaggerated when telling other pilots about your flight?
1: I think I've woven stories around flying. I think, I mean, I I wrote a novel about flying in the early days, which was a mix of fantasy and reality, because it makes a better story if you change things and include little lyrical bits and pieces that kind of link stories together. So certainly some fantasy there and some, I suppose, exaggeration in terms of life is sometimes quite boring and it makes it more exciting if there's a story to it or if you can include little story elements. But no, the flying itself doesn't need any exaggeration, I feel. Yeah. Um, I think the flight, just any flight, is is just brilliant enough. It doesn't need to be made bigger.
0: Finally, has a thermal that you've been in ever had a strong smell? And if so, what was it?
1: Cows, for sure. (laughs) There's definitely a thermal that I can still smell at Portable, which the stronger the smell, the lower you are and the more you need it. So it's a wonderful smell of cow as you go into this six or seven meter second up and end up back in the game. So all, I'm all for smelly thermals. The smellier the better.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much Greg. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pleasure. For more paragliding and hang gliding related podcasts, please visit the podcast page of www.theparaglider.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast or any of our many previous podcasts, webcasts or articles, please consider making a donation to the paraglider. You can find the donate button on any of the podcast pages of the site or on the homepage at www.theparaglider.com. Many thanks.